Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. This chilly Thursday morning, 45 right now, only going up to 52. Good morning, Greg. How are you? Good morning. Doing well, Tommy. I hope you had a nice Christmas, and I hope you got big New Year plans or what? I did, yeah. It was really nice. Just got to spend time with family, and we'll be getting together with some friends in the neighborhood for New Year's, so it'll be nice. All right, so let me read this text to you. Offshore and or Oceanside wind energy is a bust. Ask people in Maine and Nantucket. Equipment cannot hold up to salt, air, and water. Maintenance is cost prohibitive. The zealots are just that. Government throwing wasted money at it to no end. So apparently open-minded when it comes to wind energy. Um, What is the situation with wind energy? How is it working now, Uh, salt water, et cetera, for people that have those beliefs? Yeah, sure. So, you know, in the United States, we've invested a lot in onshore wind energy over the last two decades, and it's actually increased substantially um, and, and really has been successful. The thing about when you juxtapose the United States to Europe, for instance, Europe is just further north. You know, we don't think about it, but, uh, but Paris is about as far north as Maine is. And the further you go towards the poles, the more wind energy you get. And this is just a reality of physics and how the, the earth rotates. And so what we've seen in the United States is, you know, we've been a little bit slow to get that offshore wind energy going. Um, while we've seen our counterparts in Europe see a lot more of that growth. And, and actually, the first offshore wind farm in Europe was built in, I think it was 1991, um, Vindabee was what it was called. It was a small wind farm, but it's really grown significantly. So in terms of technically, is offshore wind possible? Is it feasible? I mean, absolutely it is. You can just go look at in Europe and see that they've had you know successful implementation for two decades. Now, the big question is, is, is it economic? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that that is going to be a question that we see. We've got three projects moving forward in the Gulf of Mexico right now, two in state waters, one in federal waters. And so whether those projects move forward will tell us a lot of information about to the extent to which it's economic. You know, as I read that text, I I think um, about this text about government throwing wasted money and blah, blah, blah. And I remember years ago when I first started in this business, I mean a long time ago, I I was on the air making fun of the Hubble telescope because I had some problems with the mirror saying – um, you know, trying to be a smart aleck, saying, well, let's all let money down the drain, blah, blah, blah. And somebody uh, texted me and said, well, actually, it's not money down the drain because it's, well, not texted. I think at that time it was an email because that money was uh, put in the economy because people had worked on the development of the telescope, the manufacturing, the blah, 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 got the money, and they used it to buy clothes and food, et cetera. And the same case really can be made economically with wind energy, can it not? Yeah, you know, there's definitely some truth to that. I think the 
the big you know question for us in South Louisiana is we already have this this uh, industry, this offshore oil and gas industry. And so as we think about the future of that industry, um, you know, it's really a nice segue to go to offshore wind. We already have all of these these skill sets. Um, we know how to how to work offshore. And actually, it's kind of interesting when you look at the projects in the Northeast. Um, the you know there were companies from Louisiana that would actually went up to work on those. So I mean that is true. I think the the bigger question in my mind is you know and when an economist thinks about economic growth. We actually think about using less inputs to create more outputs. And so it's kind of funny, you know, a job to, in, 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 in economics is actually a cost. You know, hey, I need additional labor in order to produce this thing. And so in a way, you want less inputs in order to create more outputs, and that's how we all, all get to consume more. Um, and so that will be the question is, is, you know, renewable energy, is wind energy, is solar energy, is that going to be a more efficient way to produce energy in the future, where hopefully in the future we have an even smaller share of our consumption um, going towards uh, going towards energy purchases. And in the meantime, there there are boosts to the economy, and I'm looking at this story from NOLA.com. Um, Joe Ogeron, LaRose Republican, uh, who helped lead the construction of the country's first offshore wind farm, farm in Rhode Island several, rather several years ago, knows that there is a business opportunity here, as does uh, Edison Schwest of Cutoff, Keystone Engineering of Mandeville. I would think, um, I don't know where Boise Bollinger stands on this, but I, I guess you can have a political, a macro-political philosophy, but you also have to look at it from a micro standpoint of what's good for your company, what's good for your employees, and what's good for the area, right? Oh, absolutely. And look, and Representative Orgeron, I mean, I've talked to him about this, the, the, the input to go into it. And really, you know, he's super knowledgeable on just exactly what I was talking about, using those exact same skill sets that we use for offshore oil and gas in order to service this new industry. And Edison Schwest, they're in the process of building the first uh, a vessel that's going to be a Jones Act vessel to service these offshore wind farms. And that's a huge industry, of course, in, in southern Louisiana. So there's no doubt that um, that you know the building of these these wind farms and the and the maintenance of them is going to have ripple effects through through southern Louisiana economy. So how many companies are we talking about, and what kind of a economic boost is it going to be to the state, and what specific areas? So right now, there's three projects that are kind of publicly knowledgeable two of which are in state waters, and one is, is in federal waters. So you might recall last year we had the federal lease sale for offshore wind. There were two areas opened up, one in south uh, southwest Louisiana, kind of south of the Lake Charles area, and one near Galveston. Um, it actually wasn't uh, that successful of a, of a lease sale and that there was only one bid, and the, the south Louisiana one, um, it actually matched, but the Texas one did not. But that project, I think uh, it might take a few years to get going because it's just really expensive to build those transmission cables, et cetera, bring them on, on shore. So we'll be watching that. The two in state waters, one is also south of Cameron Parish, and the other one's at, uh, near Port Bouchon. And those are going to be closer to shore. So, of course, the first three miles out is in state waters. And I would anticipate for, for those two to have the better chance of of, you know, beginning construction in the next year or so, something like that. This is a nascent technology, and when it comes to, I guess, economies of scale, let's talk about 
other technologies and and how the, I don't think they're completely economically efficient. And I guess that's what you were alluding alluding to earlier, Greg. Where initially, I don't think maybe it may not be the best economic idea, but maybe there are improvements which makes it economically feasible. We'll talk about the future of wind energy as it from that standpoint when we come back. Greg Upton, our guest, interim executive director of Louisiana of LSU's Center for Energy Studies. 721, if you have any questions or comments, 504-260-1870. That is the Oakland Heart Jewelers talk and text line. I'll pass those questions along after we look at traffic on WWL. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Seven twenty six, Jordan Figo, you magnificent bastard, you another song about wind and breeze. Greg Upton, our guest, interim executive director of LSU Center for Energy Studies. It's the week between Christmas and New Year's, Greg. We run a pretty loose ship here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, I'm enjoying it. Good. Um, let's talk about somebody texting in. Will the wind industry be sustainable uh, over a period of time without government subsidizing it? And that brings us to the creation of other technologies. And, and while wind is, I guess it would be fair to say it's a nascent technology, that goes to what you were saying earlier, right, about improvements and efficiencies and whether or not it's sustainable. What does the future look like? And in the meanwhile, let me just say this. If we have the companies in place right now that supply offshore services, why not make a buck out of it? That makes every sense, right? Yeah, so in terms of the technology, I would actually say it's not a nascent technology. It's not, okay. I mean, we've, yeah, we've done this for decades. Now, in terms of the offshore wind industry in oh, wait. Louisiana, oh, that's wait. a nascent industry for sure. But that being said, have all of, if it's not nascent, then have all of the improvements – how much more can it be improved, and if and if not so much, then how efficient is it? Yeah, that's a great question. So I had published a paper in 2015, so it's a few years old now, where we had actually gone and looked at all of the wind farms in uh, in Europe, okay, the, all the offshore wind farms, and we kind of looked to see if costs had declined over time. And what we'd actually find is that costs were pretty stable. It was a pretty stable industry in terms of the upfront costs in order to build them. We also looked at whether or not these much larger projects had a lower average cost. So this is the kind of the idea of what we call economies of scale. If you build a you know way larger project, does that pull the average cost down? And again, we find that we found that actually there wasn't a lot of economies of scale. And so what that kind of tells us is that you know we can likely implement projects here in southern Louisiana today. We can use the technologies that we already have. And we don't have to build these mega projects out of the get-go. 
and they can probably be pretty efficient relative to the kind of global standards. So that's, I think, really good news. In terms of the long-term uh, economic sustainability of them, so what makes renewable energy, um, the economics of it kind of interesting, and this isn't just renewable energy, these other energy sources as well, but in particular renewable energy, is that it's very capital-intensive up front. And so once you subsidize the initial capital investment and build the project, once it's built, it's going to be economic moving forward most likely. And so, you know, there might be this, this concern, oh, my gosh, if these subsidies go away, will all of these wind farms go bankrupt? I, I don't think that's likely. I think what's more likely to happen is, is you have projects be built because of the subsidies. The projects produce power. They sell it to the grid, et cetera. Maybe they wouldn't have been built if it wasn't for the subsidies. But once the subsidies go away, those projects are going to be fine. You just might see less new projects moving forward. Um, and so that's that's what I would kind of anticipate to see. Are the physics of this what they are, or is there more um, efficiency to be gained as far as the generation of power, transmission of it, storage, et cetera? Yeah, I would say that the efficiencies are pretty um, – you know, it is what it made is. efficiency improvements. Yeah. So the, the paper that I just looked at, we looked at cost per installed capacity is what it's called. Mm -hmm. But uh, the, the actual, you know, share of the time that they're operating, those kind of things definitely has improved over time. So there, there are definitely marginal improvements. But um, I think it's a pretty – look, it's a pretty stable industry. We, the technology is known. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate your time. You have a happy new year, right? You too. We'll talk year. to you next year. Go Tigers. Mike Cooper joins us. We come back. President of St. Tammany Parish. We'll talk about 2023 for St. Tammany Parish. What's on tap for 2024? Of course, Coop won re-election. Back in a flash. Tommy Tucker, WWL. Right now, it's time for WWL First News. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen. We have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.